Oak City Move is a podcast on 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people creating positive change in the triangle and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Monday from 5 to 7 p.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to our blog at blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC 881. 88.1 WKNC. That song you just heard was called I Want You by Alex Leahy. My name's Sarah. My name's Janae. And you're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. Today we're talking to Sarah, the founder of Saving Space Showcase, which is a really awesome organization that gives a platform for different musicians here in the area. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? So would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and about um, SSS, which is, again, uh, just an acronym for Saving Space Showcase? Yeah, absolutely. So... Saving Space is a now, used to be twice monthly, but now monthly series that cycles between Durham, Raleigh, and Chapel Hill. Um, that's only held at safe space venues with three bands with at least one member that identifies as non-binary, queer, female, or a person of color. Um, the genre generally cycles as well. And each of the showcases proceeds go to a different, generally local nonprofit. That's awesome. And so can you give me a little bit of history about, you know, the... The organization and how how it came into existence. Sure. Um, so I have a separate booking agency um, that I've done some tours for local bands um, in the area for a few, couple years now, three years. Um, but after the election, I was kind of feeling a little bit, you know, everyone kind of felt helpless and didn't know what to do or how to help mm-hmm. necessarily. And when you're this age and you don't have a whole lot of money, yeah. you just throw hundreds of dollars every month to whatever <laughs> cause you believe in. Okay, well, what if you just made giving a part of your routine? You know, kids are always going to go to shows. If you book good shows, kids are going to go, and they're giving kind of no matter what. You know, like like people mm-hmm. come out and know where the money's going, but they're also just making it a part of their routine. Definitely. So, oh, yeah. do you mind going back to something I said earlier? For people listening who might be confused, what is a safe space venue? So a safe space venue is a venue that has um, gender-neutral restrooms, um, that books generally a lot of different, like, diverse bills and bands where people can generally feel safe. Um, but mostly it's about the restrooms, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. That makes is a big part of what classifies a safe space venue. So, um, you know, Ruby, Penhook, Kings, eventually. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. And so what was the process like once you knew you wanted to create this organization? What was it like going from there? Um. I guess I had all these bills in my head of stuff I wanted to showcase. And then I realized that there's so many bands that needed more exposure here. And, you know, it's, it's awesome for the local talent buyers that throw those kind of bands on opening slots and whatnot. But I wanted something a little more concentrated um, that is consistent, that people could rely on and that, you know, would be the same. I mean, prior it was the well, first and third Wednesday of every month and now Mm -hmm. it's kind of all over the place but monthly so I wanted something kind of like LBLB or these other series that was just about this and that was consistent definitely and in terms of organizing and things like that what was reception like from the different um, bands you asked or um, venues and things like that Um, what was their response to it and just what was that process kind of like for you Um, I got lucky there um, in a sense because uh, I met my day job now is Indie Week uh, but prior to that, I was a local talent buyer and promoter at 506 for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and right after that, I kind of started Burn Suite, which is my booking agency. So I'd kind of been in conversations with these bands or venues for a while. So I was lucky to come in and have their trust, um, knowing that I'd book good shows there and that I'd be consistent and that I'd bring people out. So you had kind of credentials already to... Yeah, like I knew the people and, and I was very lucky. Like the Penhook was awesome and mm-hmm. Slims yes. and everyone that kind of believed in it and booked it before they really had an idea <laughs> of what what it was going to turn into. Um, so we've been super, super lucky there. That's awesome. And so with this show in particular, can you tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, the lineup, you know, some of those bands in the cause that you are donating to this time around yes uh so museum mouth is headlining uh carl and i have been talking for months and months and months about getting them down for a showcase so what i've been trying to do is let it let the uh i have a million different nonprofits i could pick from you know there's 
Mm. All these different places that need help. So I try and have the headliner pick the cause um, because then, you know, they'll be a little more excited. They don't want to just sign on. I mean, no one doesn't like nonprofits, but. But something that they're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. so when we started talking and planning for this show, um, the disaster in Puerto Rico happened. So he brought up that he'd like that to go to that cause. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. And so. With, you know, I know how you said before that you wanted the bill um, for like at least, it was, is it like one of the bands or each of the artists like has to have at least one component of like a marginalized each band. person? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So um, what are some of the identities represented in uh, these bands? Museum Mouth is uh, Morgan and Corey and Carl. Uh, Morgan is a queer female. Carl um, is a queer man. And... Mineral Girls, There we've got a non-binary bass player. Um, and then Case Sensitive is all females. Awesome. And how would you describe that genre of music? Case Sensitive? Or well, just or the three bands? Under They're all kind of similar slightly style. different. Min- mm-hmm. Mineral Girls and Museum Mouth are similar-ish. Um, uh, Museum Mouth is a little poppier. Like yeah. Emo pop, maybe. I, <laughs> I always hate using emo to describe things. Emo popcorn. But yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Um, and then Mineral Girls are a little um, a little slower. Yeah. Kinda like a little um, uh, shoegazier, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then Case Sensitive are uh, spooky pop, so kind of like eerie, poppy Ooh. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Spooky. I like that term, spooky pop. Yeah. That's yeah, a, I hadn't seen term. that before, and I thought it was really cool when yeah. uh, Chesley put that together and announced that. And fun fact, they some of these bands will be coming in on Wednesday to do yeah. a set here in the studio. Um, so if you want to learn more details about that, you can go to WKNC.org. But so what are some of the things that you've noticed while doing this, like the different things that have been successful, things that haven't worked as much, like what are some of the lessons you've learned, I guess, through doing this? Yeah, um, I guess it's been, it, it was a lot more difficult when I was doing twice a month. Uh, mm. So when I was doing that, on top of having a day job and on top of working on tours, that was a lot. And it, it all, all the bills have been amazing, but it's it was super stressful. <laughs> and they didn't both get as much attention as they needed each month as far as promo went. Um, they all went, they were all super well and everyone came, but that was a real challenge was when I was trying to do it twice a month. And now that I'm not, everyone's like, yeah, we all kind of thought you were crazy when you decided to do twice a month. <laughs> um, so that was a big challenge. And now going down to once a month, um, I've always been kind of hard on myself when it comes to booking and keeping myself to a standard. And so I was scared going down to once a month, like, oh, people aren't going to want to go anymore or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. been fine. Everyone's like, of course, you're going down to once a month. Why wouldn't you? So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um <laughs> So this will be, uh, I took October off um, to kind of recenter a little bit. And I started yeah. a bar job, so I was trying to kind of get all my ducks in a row before um, the new year, before the December show. And are you working at all with a team, or is it just you figuring? Just me. Out? There's Julie. Um, Julie Smitka does the Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. And then all the venues and bands have been awesome about promoting and putting it on and I really feel like the venues are part of the team because I cycle through each one and repeat too, you know, um, and also the co-promoters. There's been a few different where I try and have co-promote stuff. So yeah. WKNC on this one is yep. great. And then I've had um, Death of False Hope Records has done one and To Live a Lie has done one. Um, Potluck Collective out in Chapel Hill have sponsored one. So that's growing too, which is really nice is having people reach out and want to partner. And so running this organization, I mean, I at least would qualify this as the as a form of activism. I mean, not your not your t- typical, you know, going out in the streets and waving around a sign. But sure. I definitely would qualify this as activism. And so within that, how do you find time? You know, obviously you have, you know, a full, like a full time job and this, you know, and a bunch of other things, I'm sure, in between. How do you, you know, balance between standing up for the things that you think are important and taking care of yourself and your mental health? Um, because I think that's something that's important for anybody who's, you know, working with any form of cause, whether it be in the same form you are or in the traditional sense of protest. Yeah, that's a super important question. And I'm glad that you asked that. Um, it's something I'm thinking about a lot, actually. And I think that people in activism or promoting or this industry, um, you really need to take time for yourself. <laughs> Plan like your time and uh, 
hours and when you're going to sit in a room by yourself and stare at a wall. Like I literally do that where I get over social or I have to go to four shows in a week. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go sit That's a in good a word, silent room. Yeah. I say it all the time. Like I'm over social. I got to go. I can't go to this show. I can't. I mean, the day after the showcase, I don't talk to anyone. I, I go to work and then I like go home. But a big lesson for me too has been kind of saying no. Learning how to say no is really, really yeah. hard. Um, when you're a community organizer or what have you. I mean, there's a lot of people that are much more activists than I am. Um, and part of being in activism is getting exposed to more things that you didn't know about, whether it be injustices or cause you'd like to get involved with and having to say, oh, but I care about that too. And just knowing how much time you have. Right. And you become kind of this go-to person. And I'm sure that anyone from To the Front Music Alliance or Manifest or um, any of the bigger bands, you know, like the uh, awesome people in Pie Face Girls, you know, these bands that have become these kind of gatekeepers for this movement or for this cause. But then you're getting messages all the time like, hey, do you know any female bases? Like, we really want to get a chick in our band. Like, <laughs> you're that person now that everyone comes to. Or like, hey, I, I want to find them. I, I've, I've gone on so many rants about this. It's just like dudes messaging me and being like, do you have suggestions for girl bands for this bill? I'm like, and do you have, we all. <laughs> do you, um, I think that's really interesting. Do you have people coming to you kind of taking the concept you've created and twisting it into like, give us a token so that we can get more exposure? Is that bit. kind of what, yeah. A little bit. I mean, I, I've been hesitant to, um, I've had straight cis white male promoters reach out and want to partner mm. or, you know, it's kind of a, it's a sensitive thing, you know, yeah, because like you want exposure, but you don't want tokenization. Right. And you want to work with people who are supporting this thing. That's not to say that that group of people can't support this. Yeah. Cause, but um, yeah, I mean, everyone has kind of different things that they're, that they feel safe with and mm -hmm. saving space in the safe venues and also needs to be a safe series where yeah. you don't want to partner with somebody who did someone else wrong or who doesn't, you know, like a, you can't sit with us thing, yeah. but those promoters or those bands, I mean, you, you guys have already had it so easy your entire career. This isn't about making this easier for you. This is about making it easier for everyone who's had to work harder for it. So. And what's it like explaining kind of that concept, you know, without, because on the one hand, you do want to get that concept across, but you also don't want to be come across as like that, you know, oh, like feminist, right? you know, B word, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which... I mean, you shouldn't like that shouldn't be the thought that pops into people's minds. But unfortunately, being a strong woman who stands up for different minority groups, I mean, that's unfortunately the the image that's associated with it. So how do you balance, you know, being an educator, but also standing your ground? I think there's a way to gracefully combine those things. You know, I don't think it always needs to be like a, you know, big like, you know, tirade kind of. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it, it always needs to be a pointing fingers thing or a, you need to do better and but I think there's a way if it's if someone is doing that like if they're reaching out and you're kind of feeling weird about it they are not doing the right thing but they at least show that they have the intention to maybe do the right thing <laughs> yeah so why not take like an extra 10 minutes and explain why you're not working with them mm -hmm. um, definitely because they need to learn that eventually and just getting mad or just you know freaking out on them they're not going to learn anything from that. Definitely. So, And how did you educate yourself? Because, I mean, obviously, it would be a great world where, you know, people were automatically just born woke. Right. You know, <laughs> people that like yourself. But, I mean, obviously, there's a there's a learning process. So how did you educate yourself about these issues and get to the point where you are today? The thing with this is I am always learning. I learn every day being running something like this. Mm -hmm. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've had to apologize. I've slipped up. I've I've done all the different things. I've misgendered my friends. I've everyone's learning all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I I mean I myself was raised Unitarian Universalist and raised by hippies and um, <laughs> kind of I've always been in that and has haven't known anything but that. So um, that was a kind of already set in motion for me, but also learning from these other organizations and these people that I've met since I've moved to North Carolina. And um, yeah, I think it's just the community here and surrounding yourself with people that aren't like you mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and learning from them. Yeah. Just opening your eyes and ears a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and putting yourself into situations you're not comfortable with. Um, that's kind of, I always think of that when I think of um, the band, the Muslims. Mm -hmm. who yeah. Get up there and just 
scream at you. Like literally scream. Yeah, like, scream at you. I was so surprised actually to see, because I mean, people listening can't see this. I am a Muslim person. But, you know, to see that in the title for someone like me who isn't really represented, especially in the music scene. Sure. Um, especially here in the South, you it's know, just to see that. so, like, I remember when I first heard of the Muslims, like, I so programmed to be, like, people just pick band names that I was like, that's kind of not oh, a yeah. band name until they were like, we're the Muslims. We're Muslim. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, you're not, like, taking you're over like, an identity oh, this is a right, noun. to be catchy. Like, like yeah. Think, yes, thank you. And that's what I think of with them is, like, you know, uh, Layla's become such a vital piece of the showcase and she's been supportive and mm-hmm. I've tried to put on the Muslims whenever I can um, and that was one of the first bands that I had seen in a while that made me visibly uncomfortable watching their set and I think that more people need that yeah. <laughs> and I think everyone needs to see the Muslims you know and you've got a band in front of you that's up there and they're looking out and they're saying we hate people that look like you and you know why. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can just, I just think people need to have more experiences like that where you have to sit and take it because how else are you going to learn? I Definitely. Think, so Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break to listen to a couple of songs. First one that we've got is Jewel by Museum Mouth. And you chose that one. Why do you like that song in particular? I don't know. It's always been my favorite Museum Mouth song. I really love that song live. Um, I think it's a little heavier than their other stuff. Um, yeah. Which is nice. So yeah. That's what it's well, for. if you come out to... SSS this week. Maybe they'll play it for you. Um, I'll almost certainly play that song. <laughs> awesome. And again, this is Drool by Museum Mouth. You're listening to 88.1 WKNC. WKNC. You just heard 123 by Girlpool, who happened to be playing at King's tonight. And if you were interested in going and don't have a ticket yet, we actually have a ticket to give away. Um, if you want to give us a call at 919-515-0881 or 919-515-2400, you can have that pass. Um, trying and to decide if I should set up parameters. Tell us a joke. Yeah, tell us something funny. Why not? I want to laugh. And like, again, shows tonight, it's Girl Pool, Palm, and what's that? La 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 La. All sound yeah. really cool at King's tonight at 830. So... Give us a call. It's uh, one ticket for you and, uh, and a pal. And a plus one. Yeah. You can take so, a pal with you. Ticket for you, plus one. Tell us a joke. Uh, keep it PG. Yeah, please. Nothing, nothing gross. Let's keep it clean. Anyways, again, that's 919-515-0881 or 919-515-2400. All right. And for those who are just tuning in with us, <laughs> for those of us who are just tuning in, we're here with Sarah from Saving Safe Showcase. Um, do you want to kind of rehash the definition of what right, Saving Space Showcase is for people just tuning in? Yeah, absolutely. So the Saving Space Showcase is a monthly series where there are three bands with at least one member that identifies as queer, non-binary, POC, or female. Um, and it cycles between Durham, Raleigh, and Chapel Hill, and also cycles between venues, Safe Space venues in those towns. Nice. Yeah. And before, (laughs) behind the scenes, you're hearing someone wants some tickets. Yeah, everyone should go to that show, regardless if you win tickets or not. I'm just saying, Girlpool's great. Fair. Um, not not sponsored, not sponsored content. Oh yeah, right. Sorry, just just a humble opinion. Um, so before the um this, we were talking kind of about um the process of like weeding out necessarily what we consider to be genuine interest in kind of being a safer space and self-aggrandizing interest where people are looking for like, oh, give us a member in our band who can make us seem more accepting Mm -hmm. and kind of balancing that. And you had said that you do prefer to talk to people about why you feel a certain way. How do you navigate necessarily when to give yourself over to like explaining to all these people because as a community figurehead, you're being bombarded. Like how do you budget your energy with the patience to explain? Right. Yeah. I, um, I save it for people I don't know as well, <laughs> which is like not the best thing, but it's like they probably have somebody in their life that will do that for them. You know, if you're not somebody that I don't already know relatively well and know to be a decently intelligent person, yeah. then I'm not going to, one, I'm already mad that you asked me a favor like when I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> and second, someone else is going to be that person for you. Um, 
to kind of teach you the right way to go about those things. So that's really where the energy goes or doesn't go is people that um, I, I like have an interest in knowing better behavior wise. Yeah. People that you can't say, oh, this person can talk to them instead, like being sure that someone. Right. There at some point. Yeah. Especially if it's someone yeah. from our community, you know, if it's someone from the local music scene who has been around for a while or hasn't been around for a while, but it's like, you're going to run into this again. Um, yeah, basically. And I gave away these tickets to one Nick. Nick didn't give us a joke, but you know what? I cut him some slack. I felt, I was like, you know what? He, he called first. So congratulations, Nick. I hope you enjoy Girl Pool tonight. But again, uh, Sarah, would you mind telling us real quick for those that are just tuning in, what, Saving Space Showcase is. Oh, really? I just did. You did. <laughs> I do the oh, spiel all no. week long, so I can do it again if you want. No, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> okay. Oh, look at me. So tired over here. So what are some of the artists and um, organizations, I guess, that some of your shows have benefited in the past? Sure. Um, so we have done, we've done so many. Uh, Piedmont Farm Animal Refuge. We've done Inside Out 180, which is an organization in Durham for uh, queer youth. High school and middle school. Um, we've done Interact. Uh, let's see, the last one was the Recyclery, which um, takes donated bikes and fixes them up and kind of lets people come in and work on their bikes, like a little bike mechanic lab. Um, is Puerto Rico the um, cause, by the way, this um, coming showcase is benefiting Puerto Rico? Is that the first sort of non-directly local cause that you're supporting? We had one that was, uh, we did Southern Poverty Law Center in, mm-hmm. I want to say, was that April or May? The um, Al Riggs Cave show. But um, yeah, so we did that one specifically. There was a reason at the time. Um, somebody from one of the bands picked that one. Uh, and I think that, that that's the only one that wasn't triangle local, to my knowledge, of the 14. Yeah. So. And so what are some of the organizations that you're, or some of the... Uh, yeah, or partnerships, or even just like not a specific organization, but just like um, like causes. Sorry, there's the word. The causes that you're, you know, want to get involved in or support in the future. There's so many problems in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's so many different places that I think that uh, charity work and nonprofit shows and benefit shows should go to. Um, a lot of it is coming in with some issue of stuff that's not triangle specific related. Organizations, like I want to do Transgender Law Center, but there's not like a specific triangle one. Mm-hmm. So my big thing is like Planned Parenthood benefits are awesome and all these big, you know, ACLU benefits, all of those are great, but these little local mm-hmm. organizations aren't getting any money. <laughs> so yeah. I, the re- and that's the reason I try and keep it local specific because um, it, it actually means a, a lot them when they get a like a sizable 300 500 donation you can see yeah. you know like the recyclery show i gave that money to the owner of that business and he said thank you that's you know 50 helmets you know this, there's yeah. a change you can see mm-hmm. when yeah. it's someone that's local um, definitely so i think i want to um toys for tots i didn't know is based in raleigh oh, wow. <laughs> i didn't know yeah that. i didn't know that either uh, wow. i just learned that today so i think that once it gets around the holidays is what we're considering for the december Aww. show so and so yeah. you said when did you, you started this right around the election so it's only been about a year actually well it was march um yeah. oh wow so not oh. even a year old and you guys have already done this uh, much. we just cleared i wrote it down earlier today three thousand five hundred eighty two dollars raised so wow. it'll probably clear four oh, grand wow. after wednesday i hope Nice. Y'all better come so we can clear four grand. Come that to show. Come, <laughs> and come to where for people for the show? Doing? Yes. Where is the Wednesday location? at Ruby Deluxe, uh, Case Sensitive, Mineral Girls, Museum Mouth, Doors 8, show at 9, 18 and up. Yeah. Where's and the venue? Sorry. Oh, Ruby? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What is it? What's it 415 Salisbury so. Street? Yeah, that sounds right. It's in downtown Raleigh. It's a, it's a Raleigh yeah. show versus yeah, yeah, yeah. the Chapel Hill or Durham. Okay. Aspects yeah. Of it. And uh, you guys can also listen. The bands will be coming in to the studio to WKNC before they go for the show. So if you guys can't make it to the show for whatever reason, or you just want to hear them play some more, you know, you can always listen on 88.1 on Wednesday. But so with this activist component, what are some pieces of advice that you would give to people that are feeling, you know, kind of that 
you know, that they want to do stuff, but that they just don't really know where to start or don't know how that they can use the tools they have or the knowledge they have to help their communities. I think that what was, um, what I realized when I was trying to do something is I'm not a musician. You know, I've, I've been booking bands for a long time and promoting and I'm not going to suddenly like do what I, what I would essentially do is like, Oh, I want to start a rock band and like really be an active part in making this change of being one of these bands. Um, or, you know, I can't pick up and go volunteer somewhere all the time because I don't have, you know, all the time in the world, um, though I wish I did. So I think that what was important to me to realize is finding what you're good at. And no matter what you're good at, it's a way to help Yeah. somehow. So it's, okay, this is something I already know how to do. How can I turn this and twist it into putting it towards something good? And I think uh, having that is, like, really inspiring and a good role model for people who aren't the one who's going to be in the band, who's going to be on stage, having people staring at them. Earlier we were talking about how like after your own shows, like you need to take a day to just not really talk to anybody Mm -hmm. because you're not necessarily a super social person and that there can be roles in activism and creating change for people who aren't always on extroverts, performers. Yeah, like you don't have to always be in the limelight, so to say. Right. Or, you know, be like you don't always I think have to be physically there because that's what people always envision when they think of activism you know just like sure. your stereotypical like SJW yeah, yeah like yeah. you know standing picketing in front of some government building you know you can do things from behind the scenes and still make just as much of a difference right yeah like and then that's what I I have always preferred to be in the background doing that stuff like I mean I think my my first show um <laughs> one of the members of one of the first showcase, mm-hmm. um, one of the members of No One Mind called me onto stage and was like, Sarah, you want to come say a few words? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I mean, I went up there, but that's never, you know, it's, I just like, okay, here is a platform. Please use it. You yeah. know, that's, that's, that's what I can do. That is my strength. Um, so that was what I could give. So that's what I'm given. And so being around in this, you know, sort of political, social climate, obviously it's not, knew that we've been facing you know social um injustices you know in in the united states and abroad Mm -hmm. but what role do you think music plays in that because i feel like it's something that most people think about you know as a afterthought kind of looking back in history you know oh these songs were influential in different movements but when it comes to current music it's more like oh well this isn't quote unquote getting work done so what are your thoughts on that Hmm. that's a good question um i think that most people would say that just the outlet of it, you know, like so many, everyone kind of feels like they are so angry and just hitting a wall and feeling helpless or like you can't do anything. And I, I think that it's an important outlet for people to go out and get angry at shows and for musicians to get on stage and get angry um, and for people to see that it's okay to get angry, especially. And I think that music's the best way to show that, you know, like an effective way to show your distaste of whatever's going on um, and kind of create a helpful discourse through music, I'd say. So, yeah. Um, oh, um, just to wrap things up, do you have a joke to tell us? Since oh, our friend, no. I forgot his name. Nick. Nick. Our <sighs> friend Nick didn't give us a joke. Or a funny story. It could just be a funny story. That's what I told Nick too. Give us some laughs. I have a funny story. Jokes, if you prefer. I don't. I don't even have. I've got something that happened to me when I was walking up to Witherspoon. Do it. Um, (laughs) Say it. Witherspoon. By the way, for context, this is a building on NC State's campus where we are currently sitting right now. It houses all of student media, including eighty-eight point one WKNC. We're on the third floor. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was walking up. And there was a kid that walked by me, like with his earbuds in, and was like shuffling away from class, and had a T-shirt that said "Bass is the bacon of music." <laughs> and I've just, I've never, it just didn't make any sense to me. I just like stared at him scary. for a second. I hope he's not listening. Sorry, kid. <laughs> very what do you want about this kid? Works up here. Two thousand yeah. somewhere. Yeah, that's that. That's not even that funny. But that that was something funny. No, that dude, today. <laughs> dude, with the. What was it? Bass is the bacon of music? Yeah. I yeah. just thought it was really interesting. You know? It's like a really specific, like, a, like when Facebook makes targeted ads at you. Right. That's yeah. like, I'm born in November and I like this show. And it's like a t-shirt as if anyone else would want that shirt. That it's seems like, like one uh, of those. Right. Okay. Well, t- we, well, person with this shirt, if you're listening or find this somehow, please, you know, reach out to us. Call us at 919-515-0881. 
Yeah, or tell me where you got it. Email. We need that shirt. We need we need a story about this shirt. Yeah, but just to give everyone the last details again for this show, what are what's what's all give give me the four one one on Wednesday. Yes, case sensitive museum mouth mineral girls at Ruby Deluxe in Raleigh. Doors are at eight. Shows at nine, eighteen, and up. And if people want to follow what SSS is doing um, for future shows or things like that, where can they? Uh, Everywhere. find you please i need i need more followers on things <laughs> give me the likes uh instagram i think it's saving space showcase it's the full title mm-hmm. no spaces obviously um and then twitter yeah twitter is saving space show and then the page is saving space showcase so awesome. all those things and yeah. um tickets aren't available in advance for this show they are not yeah. they're at doors available the door. at the door mm-hmm. the door all right well, thank you so much for coming out, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate and it. It's we're gonna fun. take we're gonna take a quick music break before we listen to an interview that I did earlier today with North Carolina State University's uh, student body president and vice president um, Jackie and Mia. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to eighty-eight point one WKNC. Uh, and we are gonna continue on with our show. We've got an interview for you in a bit with student government yes and student body president jackie gonzalez and student body vice president mia Canell, and they talked a little bit about what it's like to be ladies and women of color in government here at nc state and we'll be here until seven o'clock coming up next we're going to play a couple songs this is um some shameless self-promotion but also i'm excited about this uh Zensofly, who wrote the song that you just heard called Mountains. She and I and my friend Max, or Maxville, if you're looking him up on SoundCloud, we collaborated to make some songs for Halloween. So here is the EP, Demons, Werewolves, and Vampires. For your listening delight, if you want to hear this yourself, it's on SoundCloud at SL0WGL0W. This first one is called Demons. WKNC. My name's Sarah, and you're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. I'm here today with student body president uh, Jackie and student body vice president Mia. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. So tell me, what do you guys do here at the university? Sure. So my role is a little bit different than it used to be. Um, Previously, we didn't have a vice president. um, Mm -hmm. So the student body president would run internally the executive branch. Um, and do external events like um, be a member of the Board of Trustees, uh, go to other meetings, and be kind of like the external-facing, um, I guess, face for the student body. Um, so now that we have a vice president, Mia's been doing a great job of um, internally running the executive uh, cabinet and the departments, um, and I've been focusing a lot on recent um, Board of Governors work and Board of Trustees work and getting student voices there as well. Um, as well as just an overall keeping an eye out on um, just the national university climate um, and state university climate as well. Awesome. Right. And as vice president, um, Jackie mentioned, I do a lot of internal work. I oversee the nine departments that we have. Um, it's a lot of organization and planning and support roles for those um, directors and co-directors and assistant directors and all their members. Um because the position of vice president is relatively new, um, there hasn't been a lot of structure to go off of. So I'm creating a lot of structure. I'm creating a lot of transition documents. I'm creating um, the structure that's necessary for student government to be sustainable year to year. Um, just because I came in and was given really nothing to go off of from the previous three vice presidents, a lot of our directors went off of zero information. Um, so I'm trying to make sure that student government is sustainable in terms of the executive branch. Awesome. And so to go back a little bit, what led you guys to pursue, you know, your careers in student government? Yeah, so I have been in student government for three years now. So the, my previous two years have been as a student senator for CHAS. Um, and I really enjoyed debating and writing bills and talking to other peers um, about, you know, stuff that's going on around campus. But I felt like um, there was significant amount of work that needed to be done externally, um, whether it be on the Board of Governors level or on the university administration. I felt like um, I ran because I didn't really know a lot about our administration, um, and that's something that I've been wanting to change a lot. Um, And so that's kind of 
why I decided to run is that I felt that um, a lot of students like myself um, didn't know a lot of information about our administration, about higher education in the university in general. Um, and I really only wanted to run with another woman of color with me, so that's why I picked Mia to join me. Yeah. So initially, I joined student government for similar reasons that I joined student government in high school. I've always really cared about my community and working on improving it for the sake of everyone. Um, I love NC State. It's definitely feels like home a lot more than my hometown did. And so I want to make sure other people have that feeling here. So I joined student government to just kind of better my community and address issues or problems or even just small tasks that I saw. Um, I chose to run with Jackie for the executive, uh, for to be in the executive branch just because um, the past two years just weren't as strong as I had hoped. Um, I saw what other large organizations like UAB were able to do with a strong executive team and I felt that our executive branch didn't have that same support. Um, a lot of times the president would be stretched thin still trying to do the two jobs because the vice president wasn't stepping up to their role and I really wanted to make sure when I, as I was running and if I were to take the role and now in the role that I was doing the job of the vice president and um, ensuring that everything is a lot more cohesive. And so, as you guys both mentioned before, you both identify as women of color. And for those um, that are listening that don't know, this is the boat. This is the first time that we've had two women running, you know, the student body president and vice president roles, and the first time we've had women of color um, in those roles. So, what was that like running that kind of campaign? And what has it been like once you've gotten the role? Yeah, I mean, we've had women in the student body president role. Um, I think Jenny Chang. It might have been someone before yeah. Jenny Chang was the first like yeah, woman of color. Kathy Sterling oh, was white. Women, oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it was still kind of like a I'm, I'm the first Latinx student body president. Me as the first woman and woman of color vice president. So that was absolutely just like amazing for us to accomplish. I felt like um, even though we didn't really want it to be this way, a lot of the national climate and national rhetoric, rhetoric kind of played into our election, which is something that we weren't really expecting. Um, we wanted it to be more university focused, but um I don't know, things played out. It was a difficult campaign, but I think we came out on top because students just believed in what we did and, you know, believed our track record of getting stuff done and knew that they could trust us to keep doing it in the future. Yeah. Um, in terms of the campaign, it's something we definitely kind of considered more so being two women, mm -hmm. um, just because we know the perception that comes with women in leadership roles, um, the words that are kind of thrown around with that, thankfully, like Jackie said, we do have a track record of just doing the job, you know, doing the work that we say we'll do, we do it. And so it's something we were worried about, but we kind of just went off the fact that we're very experienced and, you know, whatever words people want to throw out around, you know, around women in leadership, we were just going to ignore those things. Um, in terms of being a woman of color, I was uh, like to give you an example of kind of what that was like during the campaign process. Um, someone um, mentioned or like put on social media that I only claim my identity of being Mexican-American when it conveniences me, which was a little insulting. Um, but it's just something that you're kind of kind of have to face. It's um, a harsh reality. It's obviously not what I want for anyone um, within our subgroups or in our identities but it's something that you kind of I've gotten used to as time goes on and I'm sure Jackie probably feels similarly and a lot of people in um, marginalized groups sadly feel that way. Definitely and so in addition to those issues that you guys have faced what are some of the other issues you've had to deal with personally or just as a you know general um, general issues that you faced during your role uh, during uh, your time on the executive branch? Yeah I as a political science major, I kind of understood that going into this role, you're never going to make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. um, but my job wasn't to make people happy. It was to do what was best for, one, the university and for students um, here at NC State. And that's something that I continue to do every day. Um, I do think that you're always going to get people, you know, saying things about you. And that's not really bothered me as much. But I do think that it's not anything that I was prepared for going in. You're not really prepared for it until it happens. Um, you you know that people are going to say things, but you don't know how they're going to say it, when they're going to say it. And I think that's something that um, I've been really cautious of. Um, and I feel like I've been handling it well because thankfully I have a good support system. But I think that's something that I'm going to have to um, help put in place for the you know, my successors to ensure that, one, their mental health and they have a good support system around them because this is a difficult job just um, physically, mentally, and emotionally as well. 
Right. And also to touch on something that Jackie didn't mention, but I've noticed for her is that sometimes people have asked her to like modify her behavior, Mm -hmm. specifically in email, like Jackie was asked to be less snarky or, um, you know, adjust her sense of humor, which I thought was only kind of pointed at her because of being a woman. Um, We've had previous, you know, student body presidents send out very funny things or very snarky things or, you know, comedic reprieves within the howl and what Jackie said was in a private email and I even read over it and it couldn't have been a more neutral email it was just it was like three sentences and she stated one fact and then said have a good day (laughs) and so um I think there are definitely um things that are asked of us at times that is because are that are asked of us because we are a woman or let me rephrase that and edit that out Um, (laughs) I think there are definitely things that are asked of us because we are women um rather than our male counterparts um, and then in terms of just my role, one thing I've definitely just faced on a very personal level is kind of adjusting and understanding um, the director's leadership styles. Um, each individual director kind of needs different levels of either hands-on or hands-off mentorship, um, and I've been working on balancing that. Um, I'm, I oversee five different departments. I have one department that'll email me weekly and say, this is what's going on, everything cool? And I'm like, yeah. And then there's other directors where I have to say, hey, what's going on with this about five times before I get yeah. an answer. Um, I don't like to be overbearing, so I'm really trying to work on balancing that and just making sure that everyone's supported as well as um, meeting their goals and um, Jackie and I's expectations. And so what are some of the big goals that you guys are working towards um, both short-term and long-term uh, during your time as student body president and vice president? Yeah, I think going into this job, I knew that there were a lot of short-term goals that I could accomplish. And a lot of people were like, well, you only got a year, so go ahead and put everything in there. But I kind of resented that statement a lot because I felt like I wanted my work to be longer than just one year. I wanted it to outlive myself and my peers. Um, So that's something that I've kind of tried to instill in my department and the people that I work with. Um, I've tried to create a transportation task force because we hear the same problems with transportation every year. And instead of dealing with it year to year, why don't we just keep working on it as a long-term strategic plan. Um, Just stuff like that that I want to outlive me, and I want other students to feel the same way that, yes, the work you are doing is meaningful, even if you don't immediately see the fruits of your label. Labor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Short-term, I can think of, like, immediate projects I'm working on. Um, I have a group of student government members um, that are working with me, and we're on the PAC Leads Red Initiative, it's to bring free feminine hygiene products um, to different NC State buildings. Um, we hope to launch that pilot program in this coming year so that it's something we can launch perhaps eventually campus-wide and um, free of cost to students. As well as um, one thing I've noticed with sustainability is everyone wants more composting, but the issue is when I've talked to administration is that students don't utilize compost bins correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, they scrape the food into the trash can and then throw their utensil in the compost, which is the exact opposite of how those are supposed to work out. Um, And so kind of increasing education around sustainability issues, specifically composting, just because it's a really simple fix that can um, better our sustainable practices on campus, Um, as well as sexual assault education. Um, I think it's something that I cared about very much during the campaign. Um, OID told us that all incoming first years were going to be taking a consent education program similar to alcohol edu and then all the first year senators got here and i was like so how is that consent education and they're like what are you talking about so i was really disappointed to find out that first years didn't take that program so we're going to work with oid to kind of figure out why that didn't happen maybe it's happening in this upcoming year because i think it's really important as well as continuing the conversation on our campus um i don't think there's a bigger issue facing the student body um and student bodies across the university than um, sexual assault. It's rampant on university campuses and it's just beyond damaging to student life. Um, and then long term, what I want for student government, specifically the executive branch, is to be sustainable, to be able to build on our work year to year. Um, I'm making all of our directors um, take part in transition docs and post initiative evaluations um, in order for us to have feedback and um, reflection on the work we've been doing and for that to be passed on down to future directors. Um, I think with the nature of elections, since they're pretty volatile and very personal, um, people can get upset if someone wins that they're not in favor of. And we've seen that 
um, year to year, you know, people will get rid of all their documents or they'll completely clear their drive. We're making them use their student government drive. I'm going to be printing their student government drives before elections. Um, just doing every we can, everything we can to make sure that student government continue to build and grow rather than, you know, going back three steps every yeah. election season. Definitely. And one issue that came up recently that Jackie and I had talked about that actually sparked the idea for this interview was uh, something that the UNC Board of Governors had been working on about free speech on campuses. Um, Jackie, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, this was an interesting policy. Um, It was commissioned by the General Assembly for the Board of Governors, um, and it's basically to ensure um, the protection of everyone's free speech on the face. It's called the Free Expression Free Speech Policy, and um, in short, it limits or creates kind of like a system of um, behavioral conduct processes um, in case my free speech invalidates yours or vice versa. Um, So on the face, it sounds really good, but there were some really big concerns um, in regards to um, who reports substantial disruptions and the vagueness in itself um, of the term substantial disruptions. And um, there were like three strikes and you would get a warning, a suspension, and then expelled from the entire UNC system, um, which was a big concern, not just for um, in-state or out-of-state students, but also for international students as well that reached out to me um, about their concerns. Um, so it was just stuff like that that really concerned students. So I try to get a lot of student input on that. And the Board of Governors um, Committee on Governance actually passed the policy in their Board of Governors meeting last Thursday um, with some minor suggestions. So the three-strike policy that a lot of students were really worried about, um, that is now a suggestion, which is weird because it's still in the policy and they're not enforcing it. And it was just really complicated trying to follow their thought process. Um, so I'm hoping to get more information on that because I wasn't recognized to speak um, and I wasn't allowed in the building for the Board of Governors meeting on Friday. So, yeah, I'm just trying to navigate the processes and the red tape to ensure that students are getting the information that they need because I feel like um, they're kind of relying on student body presidents to do that, and I don't necessarily think that's fair. Definitely. And so with bodies like the UNC Board of Governors, the fact that they can create policy like that, you know, most students, A, don't know about it. Right. And B, once it's done, you know, there's not really much you can do about it after the fact. Right. I feel very secure um, knowing that we have a very thorough um, student conduct process um, Mm -hmm. with our peers. And I'm very thankful for our current um, student body chief justice who ensures that peers are in the room when, you know, students are being adjudicated. And um, but that's not the same feeling that a lot of my peers get other universities. Um, One of the things that they mentioned that I thought was interesting um, in the governance committee on Thursday was that they really wanted to have a uniform policy across the board, but it's hard to do that when the whole student conduct system is not uniform to begin with. Um, Then you might have students that fall through the cracks and you you might have students that might get punished more severely than they would at another university, and then that might impact enrollment if that gets out. So it's just a, you know, stuff that just kind of balances on each other and I'm just trying to figure out their honest thought process and trying to find the best way to relay this information um, without necessarily throwing them under the bus I guess. Yeah definitely and so for students that don't hold maybe as much merit in the eyes of the UNC Board of Governors as somebody in your position does what can we do? I mean, obviously, like, we're not going to want to protest because that it literally is in violation (laughs) of that policy and you could potentially get in trouble for that. But what can we do, you know, to get, whether it's about this policy or any policy going forward to make sure that they know, you know, hey, we're not cool with this? Well, the policy isn't in place yet. It's it's passed by the full board in December, so we have some time. I feel like there, while there is technically still time to modify it, I feel very safe in knowing that they're not going to budge on it. Um, And I've had students reach out to me saying they would like to form petitions. I've had other students that say they're going to reach out to Board of Governors, you know, directly. And I think that's great. But unfortunately, I feel like um, even myself as a representative of the entire NC State body, 34,000 students, I wasn't recognized in the governance committee. I wasn't let into the building. So I'm not sure how much student voice they want when they're not, you know, having a welcoming face for that. Yeah, definitely. And just in general, within the university, what has response been like from, you know, people that are in charge? So, like, the the chancellor, I guess, or, like, different people that lead our university, you know, on the 
administrative level. Um, have they said anything about this policy in particular or that just in general, like about uh, the Board of Governors response to, you know, students reaching out or to, to even your reaching yeah. out? Yeah, um, I haven't spoken directly with the chancellor about it. I've spoken directly with Vice Chancellor Mike Mullen. And I, I mean, I can't really speak on his behalf or on anyone's behalf. Um, but I do, again, my feelings were sent, were echoed and has that I feel that we both feel very safe in our conduct process here at NC State, um, but that we both share concerns for other um, universities. And we don't even, well, you know, we're still not sure about how the policy will look like until it happens, until it gets to us, um, or until a precedent is set. Um, so even administrators are still navigating um, what this policy entails and what it might mean and the process for it. So um, I feel like the same information that I'm getting, they're getting, and um, they also have questions on administrative level that are <laughs> way over my head and, you know, stuff that I don't really know about. But um, the fact that universities across the state are sharing these same concerns is very, I guess, comforting and knowing that my sentiments are being echoed. Definitely. And so while that's a bit on the bigger level, so it's across several universities within the NC State community, if there's ever, you know, some sort of policy that's passed, whether it's within student government mm -hmm. or on, you know, the administrative level, what can individual students do to make sure that they voice their concerns yeah. and actually see progress being made? Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten a ton of emails and I love seeing them roll in because they're not just emails from students saying, I hate this. I love this. There's paragraphs long, pages long of thoughtful answers about how they're legitimately concerned, and that's not superficial. So I feel like the best way is to um, go in and talk to you, your administrators who are available for you. I mean, that's what they're here for. And then talk to um, your student government representatives. I mean, I'm always going to – my inbox is always open. My office hours are Tuesday, Thursdays from 10 to 1130. <laughs> and you can schedule them too. Mia's are the same. So, um, I mean, it's – I don't think it's necessarily hard to find us. Mm -hmm. um, but I do understand that it's difficult for someone to come and say their thoughts and opinions. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be looking for that student voice either. Um, so just feel comfortable and secure in knowing that you have hundreds of student leaders on campus and you yourself can be a student leader without having a title and without being in student government. You have the same access to the same emails that I do. Um, so I think that's something that I want students to know and feel empowered to do.